Welcome to it. It is the Derek Hunter Podcast for the fifth day of July 2022, a Tuesday. Happy Tuesday to you. Lots of twos at the top of the top of the show, but I mean every single one of them. I am Derek Hunter. I am your host. Appreciate you listening, downloading, sharing, telling a friend and all that good stuff. We got a lot of ground to cover. Last Since we last spoke, a lot has happened. Nothing super major, but a lot has happened that requires commentary, that deserves commentary, and quite frankly has earned the mockery and scorn of everybody, but particularly people like me, and I shall give it to you in spades. Don't forget to go to patreon.com slash Podcast or derekhunter.locals.com to become a supporter of the program and enter to win. Uh, this week, you will either win a Mike Lee signed book or a Mike Huckabee signed book. I know which one has been lost. I know which one will go up against Mark Levin, the contest that starts today. And if you've already been to the website and you're a member, you know as well. But you'll just have to wait until the end of the program to find out. Dag nabbit. There, I've cartoons worn. All right, uh, let us get on with the program to get this show started. We have an action-packed show for you, as always, and uh, we'll get to see you. I got a bit of audio uh, mashup that's going to blow your mind, but uh, I want to start off with the, the excitement and the hypocrisy and the evilness of the left when it comes to race. This is the world that we live in where these people, these horrible people, will spend all their time smearing, attacking, lying about Clarence Thomas simply because, you know, he's a black guy who doesn't, perf- doesn't believe, doesn't act, doesn't comport himself the way that white liberals have determined a black guy should behave himself. Period. End of story. That's it. They don't like, it's too uppity. They might as well just come right out and say it. They call him Uncle Thomas. They call him everything you can possibly imagine. A white guy, a former, uh, apparently he's a former NBA player. I never heard of him. So he must not have been very good. His name is Rex Chapman. This guy has become a liberal hero and icon on social media. He's got 1.2 million followers. He was hired by uh, CNN Plus to do a show (laughs) I don't think it ever actually started. CNN Plus collapsed before he was able to, you know, do enough test shows for them to go, this sucks, we need to cancel it. But he is out there and he spreads left-wing lies on social media, which is why CNN hired him. He tweeted out last night, he's just decided that this is how the, the world needs to have this. There's a picture of or a video of Clarence Thomas at a law school commencement address. And apparently it was with Antonin Scalia's son. He says, uh, the, the time Justice Clarence Thomas attended the graduation event of Christendom College students, along with late Justice Antonin Scalia's son in 2008. Not another person of color in the picture. And it's a video, not a picture. But he doesn't seem to count now, I don't know the uh, backgrounds of it. There are such things you would think that a former NBA player would understand that there's such things as light-skinned black people. There are also such things as Hispanics and Asians and what have you, but not into the left. It doesn't matter. If you're there in a room with Clarence Thomas and you're not physically assaulting him, trying to choke the life out of him, you are a sellout to your race, even if you aren't white. He then responds, such a champion, LOL. Because if you are black, you have to think a certain way. You have to act a certain way. And that's it, period, end of story. If you don't, you're a sellout. You're an Uncle Tom. And he says, I think the thing I think is most funny about this is that these white kids and their parents view this as their entry into black America, says the bold white dude. Ah, now CNN employee ESPN hired him too to do commentary during the NCAA uh, March Madness. This is who they choose to hire. This is Disney. 
Disney decided that this guy is worth a bunch of money. And then he says, Clarence Thomas would last 20 to 30 seconds in an NBA locker room. Why? I don't, would black people, are you saying, is Rex Chapman saying that NBA players are so violent that they would attack a Supreme Court justice? I will point out that that's three times longer than Rex Chapman lasts with a woman. So, I mean, he's got that going for him. Then he says, why have you never seen Clarence Thomas at an NBA game? As in, ever. Again, the stereotype, leftists love their stereotypes. Black people love basketball, at least real black people love basketball. Non-real black people don't love basketball. Hmm. It's not racist, though, because he votes for Democrats. And then he says, Bill Clinton used to come over to our games in Landover with the bullets. Clarence Thomas, never. Of course, Clarence Thomas grew up in the segregated South, ruled by Democrats and smeared by Democrats, threatened by Democrats, attacked by Democrats. But now, why isn't he a Democrat? What is wrong with this guy? What is wrong with this sellout? Maybe Bill Clinton came over to Landover to hang with the NBA players because he was, you know, cruising chicks with them. A lot of groupies in the NBA. You don't get super many chances to be close to the president of the United States, so you can't really groupie the president. But the president can go where the groupies are. I'm sure I'm sure Bill Clinton really cared deeply about the uh the basketball there. How many how many games have you seen Bill Clinton at? since he didn't need to pander to the black vote. Oh, he might have showed up to a couple of Knicks games or whatever various times Hillary was on the ballot. But in general, I don't think Bill Clinton was out there really giving a damn about these sorts of things. Just saying. Just throwing it out there. But this is the mindset of the left. This is okay with the left. This is in good standing. He'll be back on ESPN ESPN and, and CNN in no time. I'm sure. I'm sure he will. That's the world that the left has created. This is the world that the left wants. Ketanji Brown Jackson is now a Supreme Court justice. And you may be sitting there like a normal human being going, so what? The left is celebrating this, celebrating this. The progressive caucus in the House of Representatives, Democrats, it's official. The first public defender and first black woman to serve on the Supreme Court is now sworn in. Congratulations, Justice Ketanji Brown-Jackson. Oh, she's wonderful. She's black. But if you say she was chosen because she's a black woman, why, how dare you? It's racist to say that. Well, suddenly Democrats know what a woman is and uh, things have changed. How is that possible? What happened? Well, it just depends. You're dealing with people who are situational in their ethics. You're dealing with people who are situational in what they claim are their principles, the things that they claim to care about. Good morning, America. When Ketanji Brown Jackson was sworn in, tweeted out, Ketanji Brown-Jackson is sworn in as the first black Supreme Court justice in U.S. history. I'm going to repeat that to give you a chance to take your jaw off the floor. They tweeted out, Ketanji Brown-Jackson is sworn in as the first black Supreme Court justice in U.S. history. Now, anybody can make a mistake. Usually not a mistake like that. Like tweeting out, hey, uh, Earth is round. Holy crap, the sun is at the center of the universe, not the earth. These sort of things, we kind of, you know, there are certain things that we all know. History doesn't start every morning when you take that morning stretch, go to bed going, oh yeah. History, just, that. you feel that? Mm, breathe that in, that's history resetting itself every single damn day. Anybody can make a mistake, I guess. But ABC News, which Good Morning America is part of, let that tweet up for four hours. Four hours they let that tweet stand. Four hours. 
Why? Because they don't know. Clarence Thomas isn't really black and Thurgood Marshall, blah, 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 whatever. That was so long ago. It's, oh, jeez, Thurgood Marshall was so long ago. That's like when the Constitution was around, right? You're not dealing with particularly bright people when it comes to media organizations. It's not just the people on the television screens who are dumb, the people with the microphones strapped to their lapels. It is a large percentage of the people behind the scenes as well. Being able to know where to put a camera and which camera to point to and which one does not make you a genius. Have you ever seen any of these uh, directors in Hollywood interviewed? They're not bright people. They're great you know, cinematographers. They're great filmmakers. That doesn't mean they're smart. It doesn't. But that tweets it up there for four hours. Rex Chapman has not been condemned by his colleagues at ESPN or at CNN. I would say at CNN Plus, but CNN Plus didn't last that long. It's cool when he said, Uncle Clint, look, it's situational. The people with the sensitive ears to hear dog whistles from, you know, three time zones away, they're so sensitive, they're so tuned in to what is racist. Don't hear it when it comes from one of their own. They are completely tone deaf when it comes to their own. And along those lines, I want to play you a little montage from the Media Research Center. This is the media on the legitimacy of the Supreme Court. It's weird. It goes. This goes back and forth. It starts off when Donald. Remember when Donald Trump criticized the Supreme criticized courts. He said that these were Obama judges, and Justice John Roberts even came out and admonished them. And said, there are no, there are no Obama justices, and no Trump judges, and no this that. We are just judges. We are all just judges. And the media went along with that. They parroted, "Oh, can you believe Donald Trump said that there are different judges?" And then it's juxtaposed with a bunch of leftists this week talking about how. The Trump judges are the ones who overturned Roe v. Wade. The Trump judges are the ones who did this horrible thing with the EPA telling Congress, hey, you got to do your job. You don't just get to let the EPA run, run wild. You want the EPA to do something, then you have to pass legislation that says it. So it goes back and forth between these things. If, when you're listening, you'll know when they're talking about Trump. It's when they're saying, can you believe somebody... How dare he question the legitimacy of the court to the legitimacy of the court is now in question thanks to these Trump judges. It's hypocrisy at its highest. It's not surprising. It just is. Roberts defended an independent judiciary to the Associated Press saying, we do not have Obama judges or Trump judges, Bush judges or Clinton judges. And then he had that rebuke of President Trump saying there are no Obama judges, there are no Trump judges. We have the three Trump judges and uh, two, two different Bush judges uh, in this majority here. There is no way you can argue that the Supreme Court is now not just another partisan player. Trump accusing the judges of being biased, despite the fact that the Ninth Circuit judges were appointed by both Democratic and Republican presidents. Once you do this, this fast, with a bunch of new Trump appointees, the court's legitimacy is, quote, in question. Given President Trump's behavior has tried to undermine and delegitimize the court, a judge may say, you know, this president is different than other presidents. The unintended consequence, or maybe it's the intended consequence, is to undermine the legitimacy of the judiciary. There really is a, a, a lot of people who believe this is a rigged court. There are reasons for the court's legitimacy to be called into question. What is this sort of hyper-partisan decisions? What do they mean for the court's legitimacy? Hopefully, Donald Trump can have the discipline to let the court system play out instead of being an idiot and questioning the legitimacy of judges. Uh, we've heard for quite some time that expanding the court uh, would undermine the credibility of the Supreme Court. The Supreme Court has done that already. Uh, you can always count on uh, effeminate Harry Potter there, the Andrew Scarborough. Instead of being an idiot, questioning the legitimacy of the Supreme Court, he should just shut up and let it play well, now we have a real question about the legitimacy of the Supreme Court. They don't, 
They don't even listen to themselves. You got to ask yourself this question if you're inclined to trust them. You ask this of your friends who are inclined to believe these clowns, to listen to these clowns, to take them seriously. Ask them if if the people themselves, if the, the cable news hosts, the talking heads, if they don't listen to themselves, because that was all the same people, if they don't listen to themselves, why the hell should you? Why would, How can you take them seriously? Joe Scarborough, ugh. how dare Donald Trump? He's an idiot for questioning the legitimacy of the Supreme Court. But now, allow me to question the legitimacy of the... No, he doesn't even actually question. You notice the difference. Donald Trump is questioning the legitimacy of the court. How dare he? And then what do liberals do? They don't question it. They declare the Supreme Court to be illegitimate. There's no debate. There's no nothing. It's like, this is an illegitimate court. It went against precedent. Really? Well, courts have done that all the time. It doesn't matter. It's different. It's a precedent that I really liked. It's precedent that I raised money off of, that uh, I care about deeply. I don't want to have my side pieces having babies. My God, man. You imagine how awkward that would be if my side pieces started to have babies and bring them around to Mika? <sighs> My God, how pathetic. Not surprising, but pathetic. Okay, well, the, uh, by the way, the general state of worthlessness of Supreme Court justices, they're sitting there running around going, oh, this is terrible what, uh, what they're, that, that Clarence Thomas exists, but ooh, Ketanji Brown Jackson, she doesn't know what a woman is, but she's wonderful, she's wonderful. Well... The left is getting excited about this dissent. I don't know why anybody gets excited. There's a book. I don't understand why anybody gets excited by Supreme Court dissents. It's just like the the dissent is the interview in the losing locker room after the World Series. They always got to go to find the coach or one player or something like you know, all your your lifelong dreams have just been crushed. How does it how does it feel? Well, we did the best we could. Congratulations to the other guys. But no, seriously, like you're probably never, you're aging. Your team is getting a lot of free. You're probably never going to make it back here again. Uh, so what do you have to say about that? Like, what are you doing? Why are you doing that? It's the worst job in the world to go and interview the loser locker room. You can tell who's the uh, the favorite reporter of the crew the one that's the one who goes to the, the covered in champagne and brings the goggles to work and the other one is sitting outside the loser's locker room with a miller light going oh well bunch of kids over in africa are going to get a whole bunch of t-shirts that say you were the champions so you know your champions is one small village someplace on the other side of the earth you'll never go to you got that going for you but they love dissents. There's a book of Scalia dissents. If you would just want to read creative writing, clever writing, and, and good logical thinking, then you want to read that book. But in general, as far as uh, the law goes, it doesn't matter. You lost. Well, Elena Kagan's dissent in West Virginia versus the Environmental Protection Agency is chock full of some some real goodness. Now, they will sit there, the left, Clarence Thomas is a moron. Clarence Thomas is a this. Clarence Thomas is a that. And every once in a while, one of them will sweet, sneak in an N-bomb or they'll sneak in a, you know, Clarence Thomas was married to a white woman. No, true story. She's married to a white woman. That means they do it in a way to say, see, he's a total sellout. It, it's not just professional. It's personally, too, that he's sold out. Well, Ketanji Brown Jackson is married to a white dude. Oops, sorry. So is uh, Kamala Harris. Where's the stink about Democrats seemingly only being comfortable around women of color who marry white men? Where is that outrage, I ask you? But uh, this Kagan, I don't think, Kay, I don't know if Elena Kagan is married. I suspect she is not. I don't remember her being uh, married. So we should, let's see, I'll look it up right now. Is she married? Doesn't appear to be married. So she may be, you know, the first something else in the Supreme Court. Who the hell cares? I love how her birthplace is listed as Upper West Side of New York, New York. 
Nowhere else do they say, well, you were born in uh, this neighborhood of this city in this state. People love, people who are from New York love themselves for being from New York. But she wrote the dissent, a dissent, in the um, West Virginia versus EPA. I don't believe that any other Supreme Court justice signed on to it because even they were like, uh, dude, uh, this is crazy. You're crazy. She went on to claim, and this is the problem with these justices because the left is saying, well, the justices should have should have imposed the law. They should have changed things. And like You get geniuses like this who don't know the facts, but they get the uh, Sierra Club's monthly newsletter and they base their belief in so-called science on that and you end up being dumber than you were going in. They believe She believed, she writes that, uh, quote, the rise in temperature brings with it increased heat-related deaths coastal inundation and erosion and more frequent and intense hurricanes, floods, and other extreme weather events, drought, destruction of ecosystems, and potentially significant disruptions of food production. None of which is true in all those cases. None of it is true. Heat-related deaths are down. Actually, historical data shows that the heat does not lead to more deaths. The uh, longer... The warmer it is, actually, the better it is for the growing season. The uh, medieval warm period, look it up, was a time of incredible and rapid growth and thriving of humanity in Europe. The medieval, back before, believe it or not, it was before the SUV, for some weird reason, the earth got warm in, I think it was like the uh, 14th century, 15th century, somewhere in there. The earth got warm. And what happened? Growing seasons were extended and crops were bumper and there was less famine and food related, less war than before because things are pretty good. When you are when you don't need food, you tend not to go to war back in the old days because now it's, now it's, well, Ukraine and gas prices and Joe Biden desperately wants to go to war and it's lobbyists. There really wasn't that kind of stuff for, you know, 20,000 miles away. But none of the things that she's citing are true. Not more heat-related deaths, nothing. Says that it will disrupt food production, not remotely true at all. Food production is up. She also wrote this little ditty. This is kind of funny. And this is the problem with people who don't know, but to get these people in positions of authority. And this is, if you sit there and you go, well, what does this have to do with the price of tea in China? It doesn't have to do with the price of tea in China, but it does have to do with the idea of grooming children in public schools. Not to be whatever, but they want to change the mindset. Many people are convinced to be whatever because they think it's cool, they think it's hip. And oh, if, if teacher thinks it's wonderful, then maybe I should do it. But if you uh, spread these lies out, the people begin to believe them. If it comes from somebody in authority, this case, Elena Kagan, a Supreme Court justice. In the case of children, it's a teacher. You're told, you teach your children, listen to your teacher, listen to your teacher. They're there to teach you. You're supposed, that's how the left has gotten away with it for so long. Parents weren't paying attention. We're too busy living our lives. And we assumed the teachers were doing the job that they were supposed to do in just teaching the kids to read and write and do math. And then the pandemic said, uh, showed us. They pulled that veil back and said, wait a second. Kids don't know how to read, write, or do math. They don't know how to critical think. But boy, howdy, can they name 15 different genders off the top of their head? What the hell's going on in these schools? Well, Elena Kagan, just because you have a position of authority, even having received United States Senate approval confirmation, you can still be stupid. She writes, if the current rate of emissions continues, children born this year could live to see parts of the eastern seaboard swallowed by the ocean. It's left-wing propaganda. We've been waiting. Barack Obama just spent $12 million on a house on Martha's Vineyard. So uh, he's not too worried about it. But if you go back to September 21st, 1986, hat tip to Steve Malloy over at Junk Science. 
It is a, a release from the EPA back then, September 21st, 1986. The Greenhouse Effect and Rising South Florida Seas. Yeah. A possible two-foot rise by 2020. Two-foot rise in the uh, coastline, which would have flooded, devastated. They have a map there with shaded areas of Florida that are now underwater that are not underwater now. All of the things that they decry- look, you must do, we must do this, we must do that, we must do the other thing, or else there will be a two-foot rise in seawater by 2020. Flooding coastal Florida, putting it underwater. None of the things they said they needed to be done to avoid this were done. Yet we avoided this. The only rational explanation a thinking person can conclude is that these people were wrong. You could also ascribe motive to it and say they were lying, but they were wrong. There's no question about it. There's no ambiguity in there. She also claims in her dissent that it'll kill, warming will kill 4.6 million people per year by the year 2100, which again gets into soothsaying territory. What are the winning lottery numbers, Justice Kagan? And of course, showing that she is of clear mind and totally a cult member. She writes, quote, Climate change's causes and dangers are no longer subject to serious doubt. Even if they aren't, which they are, the job of a Supreme Court justice is not to impose their view of science on the people. Their job is to interpret the constitutionality of something. That's it, period, end of story. The repercussions, the uh, the ramifications, the rings of... Uh, the pool, the rock being dropped in the puddle, the ripple effect. That's not the job of a Supreme Court justice. That's the job of the legislature. If they don't like the repercussions of something, they need to legislate. If they don't legislate, then apparently they do like the repercussions of it. These geniuses out there. Yeah. Clarence Thomas is an idiot. Elena Kagan is a genius. And Katanji Brown Jackson may well be the smartest human being to ever inhale oxygen. Why? Well, because they think right. And Clarence Thomas is black and he's conservative. What a monster. Sick people. Sick people. I want to shift it up a little bit here just because it's a problem we haven't talked about in a while. But that doesn't mean it's not a problem. Talking about the baby formula crisis remember the baby formula crisis yeah the baby formula crisis is still ongoing the media is kind of losing it at least the national media is losing interest in it they've got bigger fresh they got better ratings with uh, row stuff they they're trying to make january 6th the thing but uh, real life things that impact people are still happening out there and one of them is the baby formula issue. Now, uh, just to illustrate that this is still ongoing, this is a local news story on an ABC or NBC affiliate out of North Carolina. It is about parents hunt. Now they're they're hunting for formula. They're driving to Virginia. There was some nonprofit doing a giveaway of infant formula in Virginia. Parents drove up there. This is a snippet of that report just to give you the flavor of what is still going on that you're not hearing about. And this is happening in South Carolina or North Carolina and Virginia. This is happening everywhere. Dina and Cy Anderson tell me it's been a family-wide effort looking for formula for their three-month-old grandson. We go in the stores and it's just bare. I mean, can't find any. I've been checking all stores, Target, Walmart, Walgreens, CVS, even online medical supply stores. Finding formula for one child is hard enough, but Amy Timbrook has to feed her twin nine-month-old sons, Aiden and Braden. She and her loved ones have been searching both here and in Virginia. And Amy says when she heard about today's giveaway, she couldn't pass it up. And if there's formula available, you need to take the opportunity to get it because when it comes to feeding your children, you know, you gotta, you gotta plan in advance. That's going on. These parents are very concerned. It's an important issue. The less, you know, if you got to cut the formula, you get that powder stuff, you got to cut it with more water to try and stretch it out. 
the children aren't getting the nutrition that they need. That's going to have long-term impacts. It's kind of a big deal. It's kind of a big deal. You remember the White House was promising, telling us, hey, we're on this. It's it's funny because Joe Biden is, this is my top priority, the number one priority. Oh, and inflation is my number one priority. Oh, and gas prices are my number one priority. Oh, and uh, codifying road, well, that's my number one priority. Oh, and making sure Ukraine, that's my top priority. Everything's your top priority. Suddenly it's like woebegone where every child is above average. Okay, I know you're full of it, but I also believe that you probably don't realize that you've declared everything to be your top priority because you're senile and, and out of it. Anyway. Yesterday, Karine Jean-Pierre, White House spokesmodel. She's, did you know that she's black and lesbian? Do you know that that makes her historic, that she's the first configuration of that sort of configuration of human being to be White House press? It's a true story. Look it up. It's historic. You should, you should pat yourself on the back over being alive at a time when something so historic happened. She was asked about the um, baby formula issue. Now, remember, this is a top priority for the administration. They care deeply for children. She was asked about it, and you're going to hear there's going to be some pauses. There's going to be some noise, a little bit of noise. The noise that you're hearing is Karine Jean-Pierre, who, again, just to emphasize it, is historic. She is flipping through her binder to get to the section on baby formula. And when she gets there, the cupboard is bare. It's just, I don't know, who was it? Little Miss Muffet or Old Mother Hubbard? The cupboard was bare. There's nothing there for her. And so she comes and says, I have nothing new on this. Now, if this is the top priority of the administration, why is the mouthpiece for the administration dependent on a binder to find out the latest? And if whoever it is, whoever her puppet master is, who puts that binder together for her, has not updated that section, she goes, well, Chucks, there's nothing there. What are you going to do? I don't have anything for you because I'm not bright enough to ask questions about, I don't follow this issue. I don't really care about this issue, honestly. My baby's got all the formula. We're taking some home from uh, the border that we give to the illegal aliens. We got plenty of formula in my house. Listen to this garbage. First, um, what is the White House, what is the latest update the White House has received on the current formula situation across the country? Yeah, let me see if I have anything new for you on that. I think it's been a couple of days since we have asked been asked that question. Okay. I don't have anything new. I know we made some announcements last week. Uh, I don't. I just don't have them in front of me. But if you want to come back and we'll we'll talk through uh, the things that we have been able to do in the past, the most recent activities that we've done. I'm embarrassed for her. I'm embarrassed for her. She has no freaking clue. She has no concern. She doesn't. Nobody in the White House is following this. They don't give a damn. There's nothing in my binder, so I don't know what to tell you. If you want to come back, maybe I'll find somebody who can. But I don't really give a damn. Leave me alone. Imagine a Republican doing this crap. There's uh, other stuff I want to get to before we run out of time. Joe Biden has come out and. <sighs> The president of the United States is an embarrassment. Let's just be honest. It's not the first president we've had who's been an embarrassment. It, what makes Joe Biden being an embarrassment different is the earnestness with which he embarrasses us. Bill Clinton embarrassed the country because of his philandering, but he, you know, he tried to downplay like, oh, shucks, and this is just who I am. I just, I love the ladies. He didn't say that publicly, but you knew what it was, and he was much cruder when he did say it with his friends like Vernon Jordan in private. Like, oh, I love, I got to get more ladies, man. But it was, a, it was an embarrassment in the world stage in that sense, but he didn't embarrass the country. He never... Well, I guess he did bomb an aspirin factory in Iraq when Monica Lewinsky testified. Remember that? Oh, yeah, no, this a, these things are uh, producing chemical, biological weapons. We had to bomb it. We had to Oh, it's an aspirin factory. Well, whatever. Whatever. Monica's off the headlines. 
But in general, he wasn't out there. He said things you disagreed with, but he wasn't out there saying incredibly stupid things. Barack Obama kind of embarrassed the country because he was out there. He'd go to he'd attack the country. He'd criticize the country. He'd go to the floor of the UN and say, well, we're not terrible. We're not perfect. In fact, we're pretty bad. We're really, really terrible. Blah, blah, blah. I'm like, okay, dude, we get it. Shut up. You're, you're talking to Syria. You're talking to places. Sudan on the Human Rights Council <clears throat> still has slavery. And you're telling them, look, we ain't perfect. We're, no, we're not. Compared to them, we're perfect. All right? Compared to them, we're, we, our history is perfect, okay? So let's just get over it. But Joe Biden goes out there, and look, Barack Obama was pandering to a certain segment of the Democratic Party. Bill Clinton was trying his best to pander to various segments of the Democratic Party. Joe Biden seems to be unaware of what he's doing most of the time. Or that there are conflicts in what he's doing most of the time. That there are rational conflicts, logical conflicts between what he's doing all the time and the things he's saying. He seems to be genuinely, and this is where his dementia comes in, he seems to be genuinely confused as to why he's unpopular. There's really no doubt as to why he's unpopular. You just have to look at the data. Forget the things that he's done that people don't like. If the president, whoever the president is, the gas prices go up to five bucks a gallon, four or five bucks a gallon, what do they do? They get blamed for it. You got to love, I think gas is down like 20 cents or something like that, at least around here. And I can't wait for the Democrats to start tweeting and saying, oh, gas is down. Thanks, President Joe Biden. Thanks, President Joe Biden. And then you go, wait a second. The last six months you told us the president has no impact on gas prices. But gas prices went down 20 cents a gallon. And you're expecting everybody to line up to pat him on the back or worse. No, because gas prices were two bucks a gallon when he took office. Okay, so if they went down to 470 a gallon... You don't get credit. Hey, 20 cents is gone. Look at that. Joe Biden took, okay, well, what about the other uh, $2.70? Do you want to talk about that? No? That's weird. Why wouldn't you want to talk about that? You're, You're ready to, I don't know, hoist the Stanley Cup over a 20 cent drop in the price of gasoline. But you don't want to talk about the other three bucks you added to it. That's weird. So either the president has nothing to do with gas prices or they can impact gas prices, which is Joe, of course, wants to uh, get rid of the 18.4 cents per gallon gasoline tax. It'd be nice. He wants to do it for six months. He wants to do it for the rest of the year. Why? Well, because there's an election coming up. He also wants states to get rid of their gas taxes. States actually have higher gas taxes, by and large, not everywhere, than the federal government does. So that could have a decent impact of it. But even if they did lower the gas prices, say, by uh, 50 more cents per gallon, it still mean gas prices doubled since Joe Biden took office. It'd still be pretty damn significant. And that, you know, we got rid of, it's Putin's price hike. Putin's price hike. Putin, Putin, Putin. Um, no. No. This was happening long before, but let's listen to Joe Biden. It really is amazing to me how these people can sit there and go, well, Putin's doing this and Putin's doing that. Putin is responsible for all of these, ga- all of this, that, and the other thing. Really, it was happening long before Putin. Why is that? They don't have an answer. Karine Jean-Pierre is currently flipping through her book going, where is that? I know there's something in here about this, but we might not have talked about it in a while. If we do these things, it's estimated we could bring down tomorrow, if they, Congress agreed and the states agreed, we could bring down the price of oil about a dollar a gallon at the pump in that range. And so we could have immediate relief in, in, in terms of the reduction of the of the. Uh, 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 the elimination of temp- temporary elimination of the gas tax. And so I think there's a lot of things we can do and we will do, but the bottom line is ultimately 
The reason why gas prices are up is because of Russia. Russia, Russia, Russia. The reason why the food crisis exists is because of Russia. Russia not allowing grain to get out of Ukraine. And so that's the, that's the way in which I think we should move, and I think it would have a positive impact on the price of the pump as well. Russia, Russia, Russia. Suddenly we've got the Jan Brady presidency. Russia, Russia, Russia. How do you explain that gas prices have gone up more before Putin even thought about invading Ukraine, Joe? How do you explain gas prices going up the moment you signed your executive orders choking the life out of the oil industry? Hmm? How about that one, Joe? But I don't think he knows that he did these things. I don't think he knows what he's... I think he's genuinely confused. I think he's genuinely confused as to why the American people aren't loving him. You can see it in him because he, he desperately wants to be... This is his moment. He's lived his whole life for this. He was a horrible parent, a horrible dad to his kids for this moment. He wanted to be president of the United States and to hell with it. He just threw his family to the... Look, he let him make a lot of money. He helped him make a lot of money. But as far as being there, it was a hell of a lot more than cutting checks to being a good parent. He was a bad parent. You don't end up with two kids as you know, substance abusers, when there isn't a history of substance abuse in the family, by the way, and who knows what was wrong if, if uh, Bo had any skeletons in his closet. Joe really did everything he could to protect him. But he, he gave up everything. He wanted to be president of the United States since the 80s. He's finally there. He's there. And the American people are looking at him in mass. And like, you got 37% approval, 59% disapproval. Nobody likes you, Joe. It's like sitting there going, put me in, coach. Put me in, coach. I can do it. I can do it. Come on, coach. And finally, the coach goes, all right. Get out there. The game is on the line. You, you tell me you can do this. Let's go. And you strike out. You strike out looking, or worse, you strike out blindly swinging. That's what Joe Biden's life has. So he's very frustrated and he's confused as to why. Why don't you love? I'm president. Love me. No, you suck at it. You suck at it. We're not going to love you because you suck at it. We're not going to love the guy who strikes out every time it matters. That's you, Joe. And so what is he doing? He's scrambling around desperately trying to find something that will resonate with Democrat voters. He thinks it's abortion. He thinks it's abortion. So now he's come out. And it's kind of funny that at this point the Democrats try this argument. Look, Roe v. Wade is so important that we need a special waiver from the filibuster for it. Everything they're pushing. It's so wildly... Look, this uh, voting bill, this federalizing of elections, is so important that we need a waiver from the filibuster. Well, okay. Well, what? Well, look, Build Back Better is so damned important that we need a waiver from the filibuster. We need a waiver from the filibuster. Okay, what if you could only get one waiver from the filibuster and you couldn't make a super everything all-inclusive, just mess of a bill. You're limited to one, one, one piece of, of law. What would it be? What is the most... And they wouldn't have an answer. Because whatever leftists want at any given moment is the most important thing in the world, probably the most important thing that ever has been and ever could be. And so they just... Wait, this is so important. We have to do this. We have to codify Roe in law. We must get rid of the filibuster so we can codify Roe into law. The answer, well, then why didn't you do it during the Jimmy Carter administration when Democrats controlled everything? Why didn't you do it during the first years of the Bill Clinton administration when Democrats controlled everything? Why didn't you do it in the first two years of Barack Obama's administration when Democrats not only controlled everything, but had 60 Senate votes, so the filibuster wasn't an issue. Why didn't you do it then? Why haven't you done it or even tried to do it 
before this Supreme Court decision during the first two years of the Biden administration, or the first year of the Biden administration, when Democrats had effective control of everything. They don't even have draft legislation on it, because they don't really care about the issue. Oh, if you read their fundraising emails, it's the most important thing in the world. But that's why you need to give $3 now, and it'll go a long way, and blah, blah, blah. It's great for fundraising, but they never once tried to, quote-unquote, solve the problem. Why? Maybe there are a bunch of Democrats who really enjoy, just like with uh, Obamacare, there are a lot of Republicans who really enjoy going, we will repeal Obamacare, Obamacare is terrible. But they didn't really want to do it. They didn't want it. They're not really limited government conservatives. They just represent a limited government space. So they they go, I I just get the job. I get to vote against Democrats. And then, uh, you know what? I'm kind of glad that they got that thing. And then suddenly, like, oh, crap. We got everything. We got control of government. We actually have a chance to vote this down. And they go, I got to clench and vote for it because I promised I'd vote for it. And in comes John McCain. Thumbs down. It's all over. He'd already been just reelected, so he wasn't going to have to face voters again, and he would die before that, so it didn't really matter. And all of them, I bet you probably 25 to 40% of the Republican caucus went, oh, thank God, (laughs) I did not want to be responsible for what replaced Obamacare. It's the same thing with Democrats. Oh, yeah, pro-life, wonderful, great, 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 great. Oh, wait, you want me to vote on it? Uh, what's the point in voting on it if it's not going to pass the Senate, huh? They've always been, politicians in both parties are that cowardly. Oh, they talk a good game. Democrats have much more follow-through than Republicans do, but they all have their squishy, worthless, I just said whatever was necessary to get here contingency. Uh, But Joe Biden, Joe Biden doesn't care anymore. He's beyond, or he doesn't know. The devout Catholic who was uh, pro-life and in favor of the Hyde Amendment is now against the Hyde Amendment, wants the federal government, meaning you and me, to pay for abortions. He is uh, as pro-choice. He, uh, next thing is Joe Biden, I suppose, by maybe mid-August, will be performing abortions in the White House. He'll hold a press conference to perform an abortion. So I suspect. But uh, he went out and he called for a uh, an exemption for Roe to, for the filibuster. While in Europe, by the way, listen to him try to do or do just that. The most important thing to be clear about is we have to change. I believe we have to codify Roe v. Wade in the law. And the way to do that is to make sure the Congress votes to do that. And if the filibuster gets in the way, it's like voting rights. It should be, we provide an exception for this, the accept, the, require an exception to the filibuster for this action to deal with the Supreme Court decision. This poor bastard doesn't even know what he's saying. He doesn't even, he can't communicate. It's not a stutter. It is a deterioration. It really is. We need, a, we need an exemption from the filibuster. You don't have a filibuster if you treat it the way that Democrats do. We need an exemption. Okay, great. What we need is an exemption. Well, what if Republicans... Well, uh, that uh, if Republicans take the House... and the, Now, this is constitutionally absurd, but you can use absurdity to illustrate a point. If Republicans take the House and the Senate, the House is uh, probable, the Senate is iffy. Herschel Walker is turning out to be a horrible candidate. He's just a name. We'll see if he can shape up or ship out. Because Raphael Warnock is a horrible senator, way out of touch with Georgia. But they're not going to replace him just because there's a Republican option, or they would have never elected him in the first place. Republicans need to wake up, and maybe somebody needs to sit Herschel Walker down and teach him how to campaign and maybe say, how many kids do you have? How about you just tell us now? Uh, But... They sit there and they need an exemption for this. What if Republicans say, well, we're going to pass a rule that exempts a veto override if they take Congress? A veto override. You need two-thirds majority in both houses. But we're going to say that you need, uh, I don't know, just a simple majority. Just a simple majority. Now, it's not a Senate rule. It's actually in the Constitution. but Or a congressional rule. It's in the Constitution. But 
they could just say, well, well, we just need an exemption. And Democrats would lose their minds, rightly so. You can't do that. Otherwise, you don't have the rule. The Constitution wouldn't matter. That's what Democrats are doing with the filibuster. Get rid of it occasionally. You're getting rid of it altogether. And Democrats will regret that, I promise you. In the uh, time we have left, I want to play you a couple more clips of Joe embarrassing the country. He, uh, I, this is one again one of those things where you're sitting there and you go, does this real, does this uh, senile SOB really believe this stuff? Does he really believe this stuff? By this stuff, pretty much everything he says, but in particular in this clip, he. Um, he seems to think that, in, well, he doesn't seem to think, he says, he declares that inflation is higher everywhere else in the world, which it is not. I believe there are four industrial countries, industrialized countries, one of which is in Europe. UK is barely higher, where inflation is higher. But Joe is like, no, no, no. It's, if you just lie enough, it'll uh, it'll become true, especially when no one in the media is going to bother fact-checking you. You know, you just, you just go ahead and I got a BS point, but nobody's going to call me out on my BS, so why shouldn't I make the point, right? And he also throws in this one, this clip is hilarious for two reasons, not just his, his ridiculous lies about inflation. And gas prices are more expensive everywhere in the world. Gas prices have always been more expensive everywhere else in the world, Joe. If gas prices become more expensive than in Europe, where they sell it by the liter for about the price of a gallon, and there are th- about three gallons per uh, or three liters per gallon. We're in a hell of a lot of trouble if we get to that point. If we somehow surpass them, it's, uh, it's telling somebody, "Yeah, you broke your arm. Quit whining, though." There's another guy over there with two broken arms, so you're not really in as much pain as he is. So shut up, sit down, shut up. Not really. <laughs> I know you're hungry, but there's somebody somewhere who's literally about to die of starvation, okay? So that you haven't eaten in 12 hours isn't as bad as that. So calm down and leave me alone. I think that's parent of the year sort of stuff. That's and Maybe that's what Joe Biden was as a parent. Who the hell knows? But he then goes on to say in this clip that the wor- other world leaders are thrilled with his existence. They're thrilled. The old man, U.S. is back. And hilariously, this is a, a summit where it's, you know, there's a lot of cameras around. Uh, none of this was witnessed. And nobody said any. Nobody said anything publicly. But to Joe Biden's world, to Joe Biden's perverted little mind, the poor little gimpy hamster running around in, in the wheel in his head, the other world leaders are running up to him going, oh, thank God you're here. Thank God you're here. You're just the best president ever. Now, they may think that personally, the best president ever for Germany because he's letting the German chancellor run over. Them. Everybody's getting their way with Joe. All these countries want Iranian oil. And Joe seems to be desperately trying to let them have it. Other countries want to deal with terroristic, despotic regimes, but they're afraid of the wrath of the United States. And Joe Biden seems to be on the verge of, he needs some sort of foreign policy victory. So pick your despot. We're going to give them favor. Oh, we're going to go to Venezuela and and kiss the ring of the monster down there and say, please produce more oil. It is a damn joke. But Joe Biden believes that uh, inflation is lower everywhere, which is not true. And that he's wildly, he'd be voted class president not just president of the United States, but class president at the G7, held a popularity contest. If they did their superlatives, he would come out as the super coolest dude of them all. Listen to him. The first NATO summit last year, and you've come to this summit here and the one in Germany after the U.S. Supreme Court overturned constitutional protections for abortion, after the shootings in Buffalo and Texas, at a time of record inflation, and as new polling this week, shows that 85% of the U.S. public thinks the country is going in the wrong direction. How do you explain this to those people who feel the country is going in the wrong direction, including some of the leaders you've been meeting with this week, who think that when you put all of this together, it amounts to an America that is going backward? They do not think that. You haven't found one person 
one world leader to say America is going backwards. America is better positioned to lead the world than we ever have been. We have the strongest economy in the world. Our inflation rates are lower than other nations in the world. The one thing that has been destabilizing is the outrageous behavior of the Supreme Court of the United States on overruling not only Roe v. Wade, but essentially challenging the right to privacy. We've been a leader in the world in terms of personal rights and privacy rights. And it is a mistake, in my view, for the Supreme Court to do what it did. But I have not seen anyone come up to me do anything other than, nor have you heard them say anything other than, thank you for America's leadership. You've changed the dynamic of NATO and the G7. So I, uh, I can understand why the American people are frustrated because of what the Supreme Court did. I can understand why the American people are frustrated because of inflation. But inflation is higher in almost every other country. Prices of the pump are higher in almost every other country. We're better positioned to deal with this than anyone, but we have a way to go. And the Supreme Court, we have to change that decision by codifying Roe v. Wade. Nothing he said in there is true. Inflation is higher in the United States than everywhere except for, like, Turkey, Venezuela, the U.K. by uh, less than a percentage point, and I think North Korea. And honestly, I think it's North Korea. Russia is doing better than the United States is, thanks to this guy's policies. Remember, we're going to hit Russia with every sanction in the world. We're going to really... The ruble has bounced back. Russia is doing better. Vladimir Putin is getting richer and richer by the day because of this feckless administration and Joe Biden's leadership on the world stage. Nobody's come up to me and said, I suck. But nobody comes up to you and says, you suck, Joe. They're getting what they, they're having a blast. They're, they're enjoying their moment in the sun. They're the leadership. They don't have to worry about you. They don't give a damn about you. As long as you leave them alone, they're able to manipulate you. They say a few kind words like, hey, Joe, those hair plugs almost look natural. It's a pretty sweet zeal you got, the hair plugs. Wow, congratulations. Or, wow, you're, uh, you're such a smart guy, and, and your wife is even smarter than you. Like she, She's a doctor. Did you know that? Wow, you, you Bidens are... Just the greatest. Then you can ignore him. You get it's like you pat him on the head, you give him a lollipop, and you set him in the corner with a, a, a photo hunt kind of thing, where like where you find all ten shapes, Joe, and then we'll give you some cheese. Okay, you just be good. You be good over there, and you pat him on the head, and you just let him go. And then the rest of the adults in the room go and take care of their business. You sit over there telling him. Inflation is higher everywhere else in the world. And you probably do that as a joke. Like you tell a kid something and go see if they go repeat it to their parents. You, you, they whisper, hey, inflation is higher everywhere else in the world. You know, we're doing, we're doing great. Go, go tell the American people that, that, that they, they don't know how good they, that they don't know how good they got it. Okay. Oh, uh, you know, inflation is better every, oh my God, he's saying it. He said it. Can you believe he said it? There's Macron over in the corner laughing himself to, to sleep at night going, oh, my God, I can't believe he, you tell this guy anything, and he just goes out and repeats it. Everything he said there is wrong. Everything he said there is wrong. And he seems to be in the uh, you-don't-know-how-good-you've-got-it stop-complaining school of campaigning, which is a... Um, I welcome Democrats embracing that idea somebody's going to put four or five bucks a gallon gas into their car to go to the polls and uh, there's going to be a democrat standing outside waving a sign saying you don't know how good you've got it you don't know how at least there are no mean tweets yeah i don't think that that's gonna i don't know that it's going to translate into trump love in two years but it's certainly translating into biden dislike now which you know in the grand scheme of things I'll take, because we live in the now. I got one more Joe Biden clip for you before we go. He, um, he was asked how long he expects people to keep paying high gas prices. And his answer, you want to talk about somebody who's disconnected. You want to talk about somebody who's never worked in the private sector, somebody who's never really had to worry about paying bills. Oh, yeah, he said, oh, I'm the, I was the, the, the poorest United States senator. Well, that's like being the tallest midget, isn't it? 
I'm the shortest person in the NBA. Well, all right, you're still pretty damn tall. Well, measured against billionaires, I'm a lowly millionaire. You got three mansions, dude. Like, uh, you're not going hungry anytime soon. You can, uh, you have three mansions and your son has a raging prostitute and crack habit. And he's not broke. So there's there's money somewhere. But he uh, he says he basically keeps... He expects Americans to keep paying high gas prices for as long as it takes. Whatever it is, just don't worry. We are, he's he's ready to declare you ready to make sacrifices on behalf of his foreign policy misadventures. How long is it fair to expect American drivers and drivers around the world to pay that premium for this war? As long as it takes. So Russia cannot, in fact, defeat Ukraine and move beyond Ukraine. As long as it takes. What is it? As long as it takes. Unless that uh, oligarch that I refuse to uh, put any restrictions on as I'm passing and, and calling for all sorts of limitations on other uh, sanctions on other oligarchs, the one who gave my son $3 million, she gets away with it. Now, as long as, and unless until that, that money dries up, as long as it takes. There's your president. As long as it takes. You're going to have to suffer for as long as it takes because of Ukraine. You, why? Nobody's ever really fully explained to me why Ukraine is so damn special. I want them to be free from Russian tyranny, but let's not pretend that it was some sort of utopic wonderland over there beforehand. And, oh, by the way, during this, everybody, who was it, uh, a couple of actors were over there the other day. They're meeting with Zelensky all the time. And I tweeted out that, uh, you know, forget Andy Warhol. In the future, everyone is going to get to meet with Zelensky for 15 minutes. That's going to be your key to the future, to fame. And for it's so stupid. Like, they they banned the opposition party in Ukraine. How do you find time? To, you're fighting a war. How do you find time for this thing? The discotheques are open. How do you find time for that? How do you find time to meet with, I don't know, the Char- not Charlie Sheen, Sean Penn or whoever? You, how do you do that? Mm, who the hell knows? I just, I think that maybe it's not the priority. If it's not a priority with the Ukrainian people, if the president of the Ukraine can meet with a whole bunch of American celebrities and European celebrities, I, I'm, I question the sincerity of the situation over there. Not that there's not a war that Russia's bad or anything, but priorities right priorities i want to play you this before we go since you know it's independence day and everything this doesn't have anything to do with independence day but i just lighten it up a little bit as you get ready for it i love this mashup this somebody found a lot of time on their hands and cut together the audio track of just the vocals from gene simmons for kiss i want to rock and roll all night and party every day when mashed it together with the Commodores, easy like Sunday morning. Now, I don't know if they slowed it down, spit what up, whatever it is. They go together. It's like butter. It's like butter. Just listen to this. pretty awesome if you ask me I, I there are a couple of times i've heard other songs where like that sound in another song's vocals goes through my head i'd never sit down and edit it together but whoever did that did a brilliant job and kudos to that 
All right, that is enough for today. We go out on a little Commodore's tip. You know what I'm saying? You know what I'm saying. Welcome back here. Thank you for listening and all of that good stuff. Oh, the business to conduct. I forgot. The winner this week is a Mike Huckabee fan, Heather May. Congratulations, Heather. You should have an email from me, if not now, soon stating that I need your address not for stalker purposes or even to serve you with legal documents and papers and, you know, advance the lawsuit I have against you, but to get you to send or get to be able to send you the Mike Huckabee autographed book. That means that Mike Lee is our returning champion. Ladies and gentlemen, it is Mike Lee versus Mark Levin. Boy, you want to talk about a constitution off the old days of break fights. Bring that back, but it's a constitution off. Those two dudes know the constitution. Of course, they're not going to fight. They're on the same team. But that's your choices. Mike Lee, Senator, Utah. Mark Levin, uh, radio host, best-selling author, TV host, and I think he's still president of Landmark Legal Foundation. But uh, if not, we should be grateful for the Landmark Legal Foundation to begin with anyway. But uh, go to patreon.com slash Podcast or derekhunter.locals.com. Become a supporter there, right in the comment section on the post featuring the picture of both of those books. Which one you would like, should your name be lucky enough to be drawn by one of the cats or one of the kids, or me when none of them can be found, and it's not worth tracking them down, and you shall become a winner. In the future, everybody's going to win something. You might as well get in line now. Do it to it, baby. Appreciate you listening. We'll be back. There should be, you know, more news tomorrow as the news cycle restarts. Although, hopefully, hopefully it's kind of a slow week. We could use, I think, a nice week to exhale where Joe Biden isn't doing really incredibly stupid things. Wouldn't that be nice for a week? Even if he just, like, slipped into a drunken stupor. You know, he doesn't drink, but maybe we could slip him a Mickey in his OJ get him to be unconscious but just not groggy and tired for a week give us a break from the stupidity although he's just a figurehead anyway it probably wouldn't make much of a difference so why should he get to rest screw him let somebody slip him caffeine so he can't sleep at all although he might start a war yeah he's already trying to do that anyway we'll be back to figure it all out tomorrow appreciate you listening have a great one